Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode two of Career Changing in Your 20s. This is the podcast where we talk about the ups and downs of career changing. We'll discuss different philosophies and mindsets around career changing. And we will also bring on guests to discuss their unique experiences and share insights they've learned when navigating their own career changes in their 20s. So today is a very special episode. It's my first guest episode. And I have my friend Min here. Min and I met at our Procter & Gamble internship when we became good friends and have been ever since. Min is now a product manager at a late series startup, but obviously his path to PM, given the theme of our podcast, of course, definitely did not get there in a simple uh, nor easy fashion. So Min and I both studied engineering in undergrad. I did chemical engineering and Min did petroleum, but then we both went into management consulting out of undergrad. We're also roommates during this time, and we got to see each other also transition out of consulting into our post-consulting jobs. So we've definitely already had have quite a few career changes, uh, despite being in our mid-20s-ish. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Mint. It's great to have you. Thanks for inviting me, Jeff. It's an honor to be your first guest. Yeah, of course. So today, we're going to talk about the current layoffs. Uh, Actually, we might even start with the COVID layoffs since we started our career a little bit before then, Um, and then the most recent tech layoffs. And we'll also discuss our reactions to them. We'll dive deeper into Min's own interesting experiences um, and his own valuable learnings um, through the layoffs. And lastly, we'll kind of reflect together on how, you know, maybe people can overcome the layoffs, especially early on in their careers, uh, based on what we've seen and, and what we've experienced. Um, so at a high level, you know, on, on one hand, it's early, right, man, like we're in our early 20s, in the grand scheme of things in a 40, 50 year career, um, it's going to seem like just a little blip. Um, we also don't really have mortgages or kids or family to raise. Uh, but I think, you know, on the other hand, it's it, it, that different level of pressure doesn't necessarily diminish our experiences. Um, and, you know, I think we're definitely still establishing ourselves early on in our career. We're still trying to find out exactly what we want to do, um, just like a lot of other people um, in the country or in the world. And I think it's a very difficult time to experience um, something like this, whether it happens directly to you, happens to your friends or peers, or happens within your company, or even when you're in, even within the same industries. Um, so I think overall, like, you know, we're just trying to get different people's perspectives. And I think the ones we have is definitely um, um, an interesting one. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So in this first uh, topic here, uh, we're going to talk about the COVID layoffs and the tech layoffs. Um, I think we live in a very interesting generation where um, we experience the layoffs very early on in our career in the past two decades. The only other kind of generation um, that has experienced this would be kind of 0809. But now this, you know, kind of older millennial and early Gen Z generation of ours um, is experiencing it pretty early on. I think that definitely affects our mindset going into the rest of our career. Um, For example, I saw uh, someone post on LinkedIn. He was laid off at Google and he was there for over 17 years. And he was posting about how, you know, he was so surprised that loyalty doesn't matter, you know, corporations, you know, are, you know, just going to do whatever they need to do or feel they need to do. And, you know, he, he kind of felt betrayed. And I thought that was really interesting because 
he's kind of 17 years into a very long career and is just kind of learning about this now. You know, I mean, I think it's, it's, that, that's fine, but it's just interesting because we realized that so early on. I think that really changes how we'll approach being in different jobs or looking for different jobs or careers in the future. Um, and that contrast was really interesting to see. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to hear how you felt about the COVID layoffs. Um, because in my perspective, so I was also doing management consulting, like Jeff said, in, let's see, yeah, 2021 um, or 2020. It's been so long since yeah, I've been um, <laughs> So, yeah, I think like PwC is a pretty big company. Um, they definitely messaged to everyone that they don't want to lay anyone off. Um, it, it was kind of scary in the sense that like the projects were getting canceled and utilization um, was definitely yeah, at risk. But other than that, I don't think anyone was scared of really losing their job. Um, the company allowed people to go on sabbaticals. They were saying, um, if you aren't on a project, then we'll we'll help you, um, you know, switch to a different team that works on like PPP loans. I mean, it wasn't like the most glamorous thing, but felt kind of protected. And I remember at the time that the more experienced associates were thinking, um, you know, like actually we felt that the company needed us. So mm -hmm. we didn't feel like we were disposable. We felt like we had a lot of institutional knowledge. The new associates coming in were not trained or anything. So thinking back, uh, it's definitely a very naive time for me. So yeah, I um, was just wondering how you felt at your prior firm, since I know it was much smaller than um, PwC. Yeah, at my previous consulting firm, um, we, we we did have layoffs. I think we went through the same, and I think a lot of consulting firms did this, and and I think um, they did a pretty good job trying to benchmark with the industry, try to understand the market, um, what's going on. I think they definitely, I think the partners and the senior leadership definitely talked to other firms as well to kind of gauge what they're doing um, and try to make sure, you know, um, and, 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 and trying to understand like the whole industry. So... In the beginning, I think they did the same things, like you said, you know, tried to reduce hiring, um, you know, take different steps to prevent layoffs. And ultimately, they said layoffs would be kind of their last resort. Um, and so what is it like take? Um, sure, like take some extra PTO. Sabbatical. Yeah. yeah, sabbaticals, uh, different kinds of things like that. And ultimately, um, in the end, when you have layoffs, though, and it's really interesting because some of the companies are doing it differently now. But when you have layoffs, I, I, I feel like the the company and the HR will not want to tell you, right? It's, it's just a huge surprise. So I think one Friday, basically, people started getting um, iCals or sorry, like Outlook calendars on their um, calendar and had one-on-ones and then found out they lay off. You start seeing people's emails come through that this is their last day. Um, so if, if their IT wasn't completely disconnected in the beginning. So it was definitely a crazy Friday, especially when a lot of your friends, people you're really close to, people you worked with, people who you've looked up to are being laid off. And there's like just a multiple multitude of reasons that you can't really, you know, decipher or understand, right? I think in general, there's performance, there's just, you know, um, certain roles are being cut, there's uh, you know, some people in certain roles where maybe they don't have the same relationships with senior leadership as others. I mean, there's just a huge amount of reasons and you can't really pinpoint exactly 
what it is. It could be random that sometimes I know the current layoffs right now, a lot of them seem pretty random. And a lot of insiders at the companies are also saying um, it's, it, it seems fairly randomized. And so, um, you know, randomized from the outside, but obviously there's some kind of algorithm, just, you know, different deciding factors that are, that are um, being put in. But, you know, overall, I think that's just how it felt in the moment. Um, so it was definitely a pretty tough time. I think they laid off around nine, ten percent. It, it, it's hard to do layoffs, right? Like, it, there's no kind of good way or bad way. Overall, that's what you think. But actually, we we have definitely seen examples of bad ways to do it, and not necessarily good ways, but better ways to do it. Um, I think mm-hmm. the infamous like Better.com, the CEO who like went on a Zoom call and said, you know, he he cried last night and I think like it just, it did not seem like he was empathetic and, and that got a lot of backlash. Right. But then you have other companies who, um, I think HubSpot is one and some others who are really like laying out exactly what they're doing. So whether it's, um, like five to six months of severance, which is really long, right. I mean, compared to what my previous firm was and, and other examples, like that's pretty long time. Uh, medical benefits, um, you know, earlier accelerated vesting schedule. Um, they are able to, you know, keep IT equipment if they want. That's something I actually never heard of before either. Mm-hmm. Um, career support and things like that. You can just tell, I think, mm-hmm. with the things that they're trying to do, they're, you know, clearly more empathetic um, through their actions, right? Not just their words or a CEO saying, you know, it's completely my fault. I think that those kind of platitudes are, are just across the board, right? Everyone's got to say it. It's just PR at that point. But actually, the actions right. they show, I think, reflect how much they actually care. Yeah. And I think there's so much emphasis nowadays on people just realizing, yeah, like employment is technically at will. Companies don't really owe you anything. You don't owe them mm-hmm. anything. And I mean, we'll talk about this later, but a lot like you'll hear a lot of stories about people finding out by not being able to log into their computer and then. For the longest time, I think I always thought, um, you know, you and your team get together, you plan out an AOP, like you you put a lot of hours and a lot of effort into this project. And so if you think about how much a company pays for that and invests in that, you would think that even when they lay you off, they'd want you to pass off that work somehow or like retain that institutional knowledge. But um it's even surprising to hear about like the largest companies like Google where whole teams just get shut down. And I'm assuming that they didn't have a proper handoff to another team. And so you never really know what's going on inside the minds of the execs at the top level. Um, and like you said, it, it seems random. You can try to say there's a patterns and everyone thought this new tech layoff was going to affect recruiting and talent acquisition, um, but perhaps it's not random, but it's something that is diff- difficult to comprehend without yeah. getting context on other things. Yeah, the institutional knowledge transfer is an interesting point. I think that depending on the firm and the company, at least in consulting, I think that the philosophy or the mindset is, okay, if you leave or if you don't have the work, someone else needs to pick it up. And I think a lot of the senior leadership uh, doesn't necessarily think, necess- think or care too much because they rely on 
that middle management to pick up the slack or pick up the pick up the work or like relearn it or mm -hmm. make up for it. And so I think that that's a really interesting point that not always, you know, VP, senior leadership, partners really think that far or even go to the uh, manager or director level to discuss about layoffs or discuss about how to keep the institutional knowledge solvent or the operation solvent, right? It's kind of like, okay, you're the next person up and you have to figure it out. I think that's a lot of the culture in at least consulting right. and also maybe even startups or larger firms. So yeah, if we just look at some of these figures here, right? If we, I think layoffs.fii is, is one of the main websites for tracking. It's probably not 100% accurate, but I think it's a pretty good source here. And based on that, they they said in 2023, we've already had over 270 companies laying off people, 86,000 people laid off. And in 2022, it was over 1,000 tech companies um, and over 160,000 employees. So I think that's just a huge magnitude. Um, I know it's centered mostly around tech right now, uh, right? Like Meta, Amazon, Microsoft, Salesforce. Um, but... I think it's spreading a bit. Uh, I've seen headlines where other companies are, you know, also having layoffs like Credit Suisse or Ford, GE, not traditional tech companies, but um, they're also doing layoffs just due to, you know, the quote unquote macroeconomic environment. So I want to hear your take on this because, you know, do, do, do we think that there's a, you know, companies are doing this because their cost structure is actually in trouble? Are they doing it because their stock is going down? Are they doing it because they're just trying to take advantage of the opportunity that other industries or other companies are doing it so that they can have an excuse to right size their organization, um, get rid of certain roles, you know, restructure, focus on certain priorities? Yeah, I mean, I know you wrote those stats maybe like a few days ago. We're looking at it like maybe two days later and yeah. there's an additional 20 companies and another oh, wow. 3,000 employees laid off. So I think it's happening pretty quickly. It is really interesting that names like Philips comes up. Like you think they're a very, very established company that can weather, weather this out. And when you actually dig into um, kind of the financial performance of some of these companies, um, I think a lot of people have been mentioning that like, they're like maybe profitability is slowing down quarter over quarter, but it's not okay. like these companies are about to go like bankrupt or anything. yeah, exactly. And so I think it's actually interesting. Um, there's maybe you can call this a conspiracy theory or something, but um, some people were pointing out that yeah, like if you look at revenue per employee in the early, let's say like 2010s or something when Amazon mm -hmm. was beginning to take off or Facebook. Um, it was a lot more efficient and, and it makes sense because they haven't scaled and they haven't, you know, made all these different product lines and business units. But I think, um, as these companies start to get kind of bloated or they continue to hire, um, the revenue per employee metric is actually really interesting because it isn't something that I think a lot of these companies were really paying attention to before yeah. so are they actually being efficient and it, it's kind of sad but um yeah you could make a case that this is the perfect time to push out someone who's too expensive at the l7 l8 level 
replace them with someone who's willing to work really, really hard at like, you know, three quarters of the price or mm-hmm. like however much cheaper um, and then start hiring in new people and then readjusting that salary because, um, yeah, I mean, I think salaries have drastically increased uh, by a lot over the past yeah. five years. Um, when we started as associates for consulting companies, yeah, we definitely I saw a huge. We're getting paid like you know thirty percent less than what first year associates are getting paid today. Yeah, easily. so there's definitely some recalibration that has to happen, and yeah, you could make a case that companies that don't even need to lay off are doing that now, so that they can kind of take advantage of the newer um, of the labor pool that's cheaper. Um, yeah, but overall, what you saw is the revenue per employee. They're trying to lower it, or you're saying it's 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 decreased since 2010, or it's decreased. Like what did you since, see there? Yeah, so so I think the example I saw was from Amazon, and it makes sense in the beginning of like in, in the early 2000s, even when they you know started to change their business that just focused on books to like their delivery service. And so this was a very focused product. Um, You didn't need that many product teams to deliver this. And this is when you start seeing the hockey stick growth. And then there comes a point to where you have so many different business lines. And it's really interesting too, because um, in the product management world, Google, Microsoft, and Amazon get a lot of praise for running tens and thousands and hundreds and thousands of experiments uh, okay. every year. And maybe like 1% of them actually result in something actionable, right? So what do you mean? It's very, very data driven. Like, what do you mean experiments? Like, can you explain a little bit? Uh, like, like A-B tests. So for instance, there was an A-B test that um, was testing the, the shade of blue on Google search engine. Um, that yeah. they should put on like links or something like it was actually the shade of blue. And then apparently cha- choosing that color uh, was actually very impactful to whatever OKR they were tracking. And so okay. I, I was reading that book and I think that um, I forget what, what, what the book was called. Um, it's some product book. I'll, I'll have to <laughs> service yeah. it later. So but, what's OKR? Um, yeah, we, we need a OKR is we need to explain OKR some of these like an objective or, or key result. Yeah. So let's just say like they're like they were trying to look for um, like number of click through conversion. That's probably yeah. what they were trying to measure. So okay. how many people are actually clicking on the link? And apparently the shade of blue converted all of these users um, when they were doing an A-B test. And what that company or what that book was trying to, I guess, praise was that like, these huge companies have very, um, very established, very disciplined uh, data science frameworks. They mm-hmm. continuously test stuff, and that's the way to come up with these ideas and even minute details that you don't think would matter. And that's how Google is so successful. And I think that's one way to look at it. But um, with the current events of things, I think like there's also a danger to that too, right? Because there's all these resources that get put into these tests. Like in order to conduct these things, you have to have data scientists, you need product managers, you need engineers to do instrumentation. It's very, very costly to the business. And it's really, really hard to keep track of all the different teams that are doing this concurrently, right? Like 
you could imagine there's probably overlap in the studies or that like maybe someone else found some found out about um you know this insight a long time ago but it just didn't get communicated and so i feel like as companies get bigger um yeah that revenue per employee figure that i was talking about is is going to go down naturally because you just become less efficient yeah so your point your point is just they're trying to rebalance here right and prioritize and yeah. you we've essentially had like two decades of nonstop growth at these tech companies right cheap capital and you know skyrocketing revenue and so they've essentially been able to grow without much reflection per se i mean maybe they have but your your point is they now have to kind of rebalance and reflect and quote unquote rise size based on based right. on these factors yeah, yeah. So we'll actually pause here as part one of two podcast episodes with our first guest, Min, where we, in part one, talked about the current tech layoffs and our experiences with layoffs. And in part two, we'll dive deeper into Min's transitions from consulting to biz ops at a startup, internal lateraling to a PM role, and then upon getting laid off, his experience with his, his actual experience with his layoff and finding another PM job. And we'll also discuss his interview processes and some of the decision-making he had to do when he looked for a new job. So stay tuned for part two, check it out and happy listening. Cheers. 